Welcome to RUF, large group. It's good to see you. It's good to be in person, uh, no matter where you find yourself tonight, no matter what you've done, and no matter what you believe. We want you to feel welcome in RUF. RUF stands for Reformed University Fellowship, and we're one of the many campus ministries at Wofford College trying to walk alongside you to help you be a Christian at Wofford College, to be a safe place for you to come with your doubts and your shame and your questions about the claims of Christianity. And my name is Matt. If I haven't met you, uh, I would love to, and Caroline, our intern, would love to meet you as well. But especially if it's your first time in, at large group tonight, welcome. We've been going through a, a series of psalms this semester called the Psalms of Ascent, Psalm 120 to Psalm 134. And we've been exploring those songs because they reflect the image of the Christian life that I've really wanted to be on y'all's minds and your heart this semester. And the image is this, the long pilgrimage or the long journey with Jesus on the road with him. Rather than thinking of the Christian life as an overnight errand or process or like a quick trip with Jesus. This is actually a long pilgrimage with our King, with our Shepherd. And the Psalms of Ascent show us that. And tonight's Psalm 132, and what we're going to be talking about tonight is how crucial memory is on the road with Jesus. How crucial memory is. Memory plays such an important role in our lives. Um, You know this, a memory, one memory can flood your mind and heart with gratitude and joy and longing and satisfaction and adoration, while other memories that you may or may not have can flood you with shame and guilt and self-contempt and isolation and loneliness of all kinds. Our bodies and our hearts and our, our, uh, our minds, we carry around like a catalog of memories that are powerful and they're formative in our conception in the ways in which we understand the world our place in it, our identity, where we are and where we're going. Memory is crucial. Some memories we fight to keep alive at all costs because of how much joy they bring us. Other memories, we really want to die a quick death and drift away. Some memories are nostalgic Nostalgic like Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite. He's the, got the glory days of high school football in Texas. Other nostalgic memories are like Michael Scott's longing for the glory days of Dunder Mifflin when the, the gift basket was the, the best way to do sales in Dunder Mifflin. Because if you've watched that episode, the hotshot um, Ryan comes in, the temp, comes in and he wants to make Dunder Mifflin more advanced and younger, and more hip, and he wants to do away with things like gift baskets. But here's what Michael Scott says about gift baskets. He's nostalgic here. Gift baskets, Phyllis, are amazing. Gift baskets are the essence, the essence of class and fanciness. They are the ultimate present a person can receive. Michael is nostalgic for the glory days of gift baskets and the way that they worked at Dunder Mifflin. But in the Christian life, Memory is not overly idealized nostalgia. It is not nostalgia. Memory is vital for following Jesus because memory actually is the heartbeat of hope for the Christian. It's the heartbeat of our hope for the Christian. As those on the road with Jesus, we are to work our memory, to keep it fresh, to remember God's faithfulness in the past, 
and to remember God's promises for the future. That's what we're going to see in Psalm 132. And this is good news and refreshing and honest because you and I are so weak at this, if we're honest. Because we need help in a fallen world, because if we're honest, we're so utterly consumed with our feelings and our circumstances and our news feeds and our discomfort. And so we get caught up in the frenzy of it all and the hurry of it all and the fast-paced nature of it. And so we need to remember the past when we are in trouble in the present. We need to remember the past when we experience present trouble. Psalm 132 is all all about memory. I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to walk through it. Friends, this is God's word. He has spoken to us not to give us a theology exam to ace. He has not spoken to you to give you his word, to give you a book of rules to follow. He has spoken to you and to me because he loves us. Remember, O Lord, in David's favor, all the hardships he endured how he swore to the Lord and vowed to the Almighty One of Jacob, I will enter my house, I will not enter my house or get into my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the Mighty One of Jacob. Behold, we heard it, we heard of it in Ephrathah and found it in the fields of Jar. And he's referring to the Ark of the Covenant, which we're going to talk about in a second. Verse 7, he let, let us go to his dwelling place. Let us worship at his footstool. Arise, O Lord, and go to your resting place, you and the ark of your might. Let your priests be clothed with righteousness and let your saints shout for joy. For the sake of your servant David, do not turn away the face of your anointed one. The Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons of your body I will set on your throne. If your sons keep my covenant and my testimonies that I shall teach them, their sons also forever shall sit on your throne. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. I will abundantly bless her provisions. I will satisfy her poor with bread. Her priests I will clothe with salvation and her saints with shouts of joy. There I will make a horn to sprout for David. I have prepared a lamp for my anointed. His enemies I will clothe with shame, but on him his crown will shine. Let me pray for us. Lord, we're grateful for your word. It's living and active. We know that's true because you are living and active. And yet our minds are restless. Our minds are busy. And I do ask that by your spirit, you would slow us down, that we would hear you, that we would trust you, that we would obey you, and ultimately that we would see Jesus as beautiful. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Okay, we're going to do two things by way of navigating our time in this passage. And we're going to have two categories. The first is remembering God. Second, God remembering us. Remembering God and then God remembering us. Let's do the first one. The Christian life is a life where we keep our memory fresh. We remember God. And that's what the psalmist is doing. He's remembering how God dwelt with his people in the Ark of the Covenant. That's what we see in verses 6 through 9. Now, you may or may not know that the Ark of the Covenant was the physical sign of God's presence among his covenant people. So wherever his covenant people went, 
the ark was with them. Why? Because wherever his people go, God's presence goes with them. That's the ark. That's what's important for us to know. The psalmist is actively remembering a time when the ark of the covenant, which was, again, a big deal, was taken away from Israel. But David discovered it again by God's grace. And he's celebrating that. He's remembering this event. And he's saying, I want to think about that again. I want to celebrate that again. I want that to, that to be a memory that's fresh on my mind. And again, this is a song. This is not his private prayer journal. They were singing this much like we have been singing tonight. He wants everyone in on this memory. Because keeping a fresh memory of God's mercy actually keeps your heart and mind alive and alert to God's goodness. Memory results in adoration. Memory and worship go hand in hand. That's what he's, he's trying to get the whole congregation in on this. Their minds and their hearts actively engaged because, as one scholar says, memory is anything but nostalgia for the Christian. It's not nostalgia. Memory is crucial in marriage. Um, when you go through seasons of suffering with a spouse and you reflect, especially like birthdays or anniversaries, when you reflect on a previous year of going through life in a fallen world as a couple, you reflect on the fidelity of the spouse that you love and how they have been showing up for you in mundane ways and behind-the-scenes ways. And I could go on and on and on about how Ivy does this all the time for me and how she's done this in the past. I want to tell you about two things. I tore my Achilles my second year of seminary. Many of you all know that. I was playing basketball. I crossed someone up. Just kidding. Um, uh, I was playing basketball. That did not happen, though. Um, So Ivy just served and loved and supported me in ways that no one saw. It was so unassuming and behind the scenes, and it was so steady. And it was a year-long injury, actually. actually. Um, A second thing is just the consistent encouragement that Ivy gives me with her words when I experience discomfort and discouragement in ministry and life in a fallen world, whether it's dealing with family drama or just life in a fallen world. Like the words, the consistent, steady words that Ivy gives me on a weekly basis, when I think about that, when I keep those memories and I recall who she has been to me, what do you think happens in my insides when I do that? You think that makes me like feel more close to Ivy or like further away from Ivy? It makes, there's, there's like, it stirs up adoration. It stirs up respect. It stirs up affection for Ivy to keep those things fresh on my mind. So I want to ask you, how has God been faithful to you in your life? How has God been faithful to you in your life? How has God encouraged you with his mercy when it seemed like shame was going to swallow you up? How has God given you clarity and wisdom when it came to a big decision or how to handle conflict with a roommate or a family member who has hurt you? How has God provided friendship for you at Wofford College, seniors and juniors and sophomores and freshmen? How has he provided friendship for you when you're lonely? I want to urge you and encourage you uh, with love to keep these memories, not nostalgic memories, 
but actually like faithful recollections of God's mercy and love to you. God has been faithful to you. He has loved you in your life. He has loved you this year. He's been with you. So that's us remembering God, but God remembers us. Let's go to the second one. God remembers us. Memory is extremely important for God because, listen, the primary way that the Bible says that God relates to his people can be encapsulated and summarized in one word, and the one word is this, covenant. Covenant. A covenant is a promise. A covenant is a promise. God pledged himself He gave promises, all kinds of promises to his covenant people in the Old Testament Israel. He promised that he would be their God, that they would be his people. He promised that he would make them a great nation. He promised that through Abraham and David's line, this little baby would come along and do all kinds of crazy stuff, like die on a cross and walk up out of a graveyard. He made outlandish promises. Why? Because he's a God of a covenant. We are a covenant people. A people of promise. God is 100% committed to keeping his covenant promises. In other words, he remembers us. He remembers us. In our psalm, the most crucial covenant promise is actually there if you'll look at verse 11 again. We already hinted at this. But the Lord swore to David a sure oath from which he will not turn back. One of the sons, who do y'all think this is talking about? One of the sons of your body, talking about David, I will set on your throne. There will be another king. There will be another king. A king who will reign and rule. A king who will usher in a new covenant in his body and blood. That's what he says. And he really came. The promised king of verse 11 is Jesus. And the king who will dwell with us, who walks with us, who defeated sin and death. David and whoever else is singing this song is wanting to get utterly caught up in the promises of God. That we're not just remembering him. We're recalling the fact that God remembers us. He's a covenant God. He's made promises to us and he'll keep his word. I love this phrase. I don't know if you noticed this. The Lord swore an oath i.e. a covenant, from which he, we will not turn back, or he will not turn back, from which, in other words, I'm going to keep my word. He will keep his word. He will not forsake his promises. He's utterly fixed in his fidelity to his covenant. He's, uh, He's utterly fixed in his fidelity to you because his promises are always for the good of his people, always. That's why Jesus came anyways. He is so faithful to you and he's fixed in his fidelity. My pastor and, and mentor in St. Louis, I was on the phone with him a couple of days ago and he and his wife are retired now and they've been retired for a couple of years. Well, three or four years, ever since we moved here, they started retirement and we were catching up on the phone and Ron and his wife, Catherine, have been married, I think for over 40 years now. And retirement has not been as restful as they thought it was going to be. Ron was going to write, and they were going to go overseas, go to Europe and explore. And Ron's wife's health just kind of gone downhill pretty quickly. And so Ron finds himself, because his wife can't drive anymore, driving her around, which is so challenging and so, like, stripping of her agency. It's so challenging for her. He's having to show up for her in a kind of a consuming way 
and retirement has not been restful. And I was just hearing about this and he wasn't lamenting or complaining. And I just, I said, this isn't what retirement was supposed to be for you, was it, Ron? And here's what his subtle, unassuming, non-pretentious words were to me. Here's what he said. Where am I? Here's what he said. This is what I signed up for when I made my vows to stay in, in sickness and in health. This is the vows that I made. This is what I signed up for when I made vows to stay in sickness and in health. And again, it was so subtle, you would almost miss it in the conversation, but I was utterly undone when he said it. Because promises matter. Covenant matters. And it propels future action. These promises that Ron made was not just an empty ritual because that's what you do at weddings. It's a promise. It is a covenant. And that's why he's driving around. I made my, I'm, I'm going to keep my word. That's what he's going to do. And you know that Jesus is called the bridegroom and the church is called the bride. Love your wives, Paul says. How? As Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He died. That's how. He kept his word. The power of Ron's words and its simplicity was the power of the promise, the power of the covenant, that he's actually keeping his word. And Pat, look, when people make promises to us, y'all instinctively, you and I know instinctively that promises are a big deal. Kids know this is a big deal. So if you make a promise to a child that you're going to get them an Xbox or something like that for Christmas, they're going to expect it. They just will. They're not cynical yet. No one's let them down yet. No one has failed to keep their promises yet. And you and I long for someone to fully and finally keep their word to us. And God has done that, utterly fixed in his fidelity to his promises to us. Memory is everything in the Christian life. We remember God, but we also remember that God has promised us all kinds of things and he will keep his word. This is good news because <clears throat> I'm so glad that Christianity is not about us keeping promises. Or that the Christian life, this road with Jesus, doesn't like run on whether or not we remember God. Friends, that ain't good news. Don't listen to any version of Christianity that sounds like that. That is not gospel. The good news of Christianity says God keeps his word when you don't keep your word. He actually keeps his word because you won't keep your word. Not if, you won't. God is faithful to you when you are not faithful to him. Not if, but when you are not faithful to him. Jesus is your good shepherd because you are prone to wander away, because you forget, and he, will, he refuses to forget you. That's the good news of Christianity. Memory is everything. I want to say a couple things before we're done. <clears throat> by way of application. I, w- I just want to say a couple things about just to remind you of some things that a pastor just needs to say to y'all. First is this. This year, this academic year, God has been faithful to you. He has been faithful to you this year. You have walked through and navigated the disorientation of COVID-19 at Wofford College. You've been sent home. God has protected you from getting COVID if you haven't had it. If you've gotten it and got over it, God has delivered you from, healed you from, and sustained you through COVID-19. God has been faithful to you this year. 
Many of y'all have applied to jobs, seniors, and you've been rejected, and God has drawn near to you in your disappointment. God has been faithful to you in providing that job for you. Many of y'all have been working since freshman year and maybe before to get into that grad school program, and you've gotten in. God has been faithful to you. Some of you have gone through family trauma this year and you have lost loved ones who are not here anymore. You have gone through trauma and God has been faithful to you. And listen, y'all are here tonight. You're here. You made it. Because God has been faithful to you. That's why you made it. Not because you remembered God and you were so faithful. I'm proud of you. You did like a heck of a job. But God was so kind. God was so faithful to you this year. Remembering God's faithfulness, I hope that you're even getting caught up in this as as we go through this passage, that this fosters gratitude. Are you grateful as we get caught up in this together right now? I hope that you are. This is what reflecting on the past does. I I was looking through my some photos on my phone yesterday, actually. And I went, like, I needed to find this old picture, and I stumbled across my first year at a gap, an RUF gathering, and I was with a group of freshman guys, now seniors and freshman girls, most of whom are here tonight. And it fostered a fresh sense of gratitude in me for this job that I actually get to be an RUF campus minister at Wofford College. And I can't believe I get to do that. And seeing that image flooded me with gratitude. This is what remembering does. This is what it does. Please keep God's faithfulness fresh on your minds and on your hearts. If you want to be engaged spiritually and you're bored with the gospel, reflect on how God has been faithful to you this year because you've been through it. The second thing I would say that I think we've gone through this year in reflecting back on God's faithfulness in the past, I think it, it doesn't just nourish gratitude in us and cultivate that, it also fosters what I would just call godly grit. Godly grit. And what I mean by that is like you look over a season, you're like, oh, like if we did that, we can do this. We can keep going. Not I can keep going. We can keep going collectively because we're a flock with the shepherd who's going to be faithful to us keep going. Like there's a godly grittiness when you reflect on who God has been to you, how he's walked with you, how he's protected you as your good shepherd. So God has been faithful to you this year. I also want to say this. God is going to keep his promises to you in the future. God is going to keep his promises to you in the future. God is going to keep providing for you. Seniors, y'all are going to go into a new season and many of y'all are going to go into new towns. Where do I go to church? Where do I eat? How do I pay my bills? How do like... How and where, like what are even bills? And where should I go to church? Who should my friends be? God is going to provide for you just like he provided for y'all at Wofford College. He's going to. He's going to give you wisdom just like he's given you wisdom this year. He's going to keep doing that this summer, whether you know your summer plans or not. And look, when you get caught up in how God has made you promises and kept them, you just don't have to be in control anymore. Wouldn't that be great as the control freak that I am as I'm convicted as I preach this? We just don't have to be in control. We don't have to drive on this pilgrimage. We just don't. God is going to keep giving us rest when we're weary. God is going to stick with us. He will not forsake his promises. He's not going to leave you. 
He's not going to forsake you. He hasn't before, and his track record is real good. So trust him. Take a deep breath. <clears throat> All right. So we mentioned the ark. It's the last thing I'm going to say. We mentioned the ark. And what was the ark again? The physical sign of God's presence among us. The God of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is so committed to dwelling with his people. What sin has done when Genesis 3 comes along and sin, the parasite that it is, enters into the picture and it sucks the life out of us. One of the things that it does, it is distorts our relationship with God where his presence is not experienced in the same way. God is so committed to dwelling with us in an ark, in a temple, in clouds, in bread, in wine, in water. He can't get enough of his people. He'll communicate with his people through any way that he can and dwell with them by his, by his spirit any way that he can. He's so committed to dwelling with us. And what do we read according to John's gospel in John 1 about Jesus? He's the word made flesh that what? Dwelt among us. He really walked around. He really ate food. He really had friends. He went to wedding with friends. He was a carpenter. And he really died. And he really rose. And he really ascended. And he really poured his spirit out on you and me. And we will really dwell with him again. And that is the ultimate promise that we're banking on. Supper of the Lamb in the presence of Jesus, dwelling with him, feasting. No more sin. No more sadness, no more death, no more COVID-19. And that is good news, and he's driving it. He will keep his word when we don't. And that is good news of Christianity, our passage, and it's good to keep these things fresh on our minds and our hearts. Let's do that as we finish the semester. Let me pray for us. Lord, we're grateful for...